You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about why anyone in their right mind in the sales and marketing game would take the time, expend the energy to reinforce, implement, and utilize a sales methodology. There's a lot of quick fixes out there today. Everybody's talking about how tech's going to revolutionize the sales game. And it, it is an important piece. But at the end of the day, having that sales methodology is something that we still see companies generate massive amounts of results with. To help us, we have Darren Stordahl, VP of Sales and Marketing at FMT Consultants. Now, fair disclosure, Darren is someone I have sold to in a previous life. We have become friends over time because we are both motorcycle fanatics and we also enjoy laughing when we work and sunset walks on the beach. <laughs> and he is also a current client of ours. So I just want to put that out there for everybody. Darren, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad. Glad to be here. Excellent. So before we jump into the topic of the day, I'd like to start with a question to provide value to our audience, help them understand you a little bit more. When you look back over your career, can you tell us about a defining moment or event that provided you insights that you continue to leverage today and perhaps maybe change the trajectory or your perspective on your career? I wish I could point to a single moment. That would make for an easier answer. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's a combination of things. I've had the good luck of working with a number of different companies up and down the West Coast here, different people, different customers. And when you kind of mush it all together, I think it's that the fundamental qualities of buying and selling involve quality communication. You really have to listen, have to be real. And straight up, most people, first, they know that they're being sold and most of them don't like it. <laughs> so... Don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, please sell me today. Right, right. People want to buy. They want to acquire things. They want, want to build their business or their lives together. But what they don't want to do is have somebody come and push them. Right. Excellent. Excellent. So a uh, little context around FMT and your role there, just so the uh, audience understands kind of perspective. Excellent. I hope we have about 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> at, uh, at FMT, we are a VAR, a consulting company out here in Carlsbad, California, and we focus on helping companies in manufacturing and distribution primarily, but we work across the spectrum, really make the most out of kind of that next generation technology. There's three platforms that we work with primarily, Microsoft, NetSuite, and Salesforce. And we use those platforms uh, really in the finance and operations, ERP side of things, CRM. We do a lot in the collaboration space with SharePoint. And then we mix in a healthy dose of uh, kind of IT consulting, infrastructure, cloud uh, progression, and customer support. I mentioned Carlsbad, great place to live and work out here. It's 72 and sunny all the time. So when it's snowing <laughs> in Denver, I can call Chad and, <laughs> and, and let him know that the motorcycles are still warm uh, out here on the roads. And, and he uh, does that, guys. He does that, quite honestly. <laughs> because he needs that. And uh, my role here is uh, I'm VP in sales and marketing. Uh, I think the titles are kind of, in a lot of cases, they're a throwback to uh, another age. But customer engagement, right? It's from first contact all the way through transaction into repeat engagement. That's kind of the environment that I work in. I have a good team of folks and uh, small, focused, diverse, really complex business model. And that's our story. 
Perfect. Perfect. So topic of the day, sales methodologies. So before we get too deep into the woods, let's ask the obvious question. The one that honestly, I don't hear enough people ask at all. Why choose a sales methodology at all, right? Artificial intelligence is the answer. Machine learning is out there. They're wonderful tools. So with all that tech, why, why would you suggest people listening still invest in a sales methodology? Well, might come as a surprise, but not only am I a podcast guest, but I also use value selling. And one of the things we say is people buy from people. And whether you're Zig Ziglar or Les Schwab or any of the guys that have come before, somebody needs to stick out their hand, mean what they say, and follow through. And I think there's a way of doing that that allows you to scale. And there's a way of doing that that allows you to learn from your senior people, help your junior people progress and help the senior people gain perspective from the junior people. But that only happens if there's consistency, if there's a structure that you can build on. And if everybody's left to their own devices, there is a certain chaotic aspect. Some people rise, some people fall. But if you level the playing field, create a structure, invest in it over time, I think it's the surest way to scale. It's the surest way to deliver value to the clients uh, and really connect that product side through this fuzzy interface to folks that need and use, in our case, technology. <laughs> and when you decided to standardize on, on a sales methodology, when you started to look, what were some of the problems that you were attempting to address inside of the organization that, that made it get to that critical point where you said, you know what, we've, we've got to do something different? I think number one was complexity. So we at FMT, we have eight different consulting practices and we just added a new one uh, through an acquisition of a Salesforce practice. And the net result is you have fundamentally different options, solutions, approaches that are available to our clients, eight of them, small package. We also have a fairly small sales team and trying to mix and match and map across multiple, multiple variations, proving to be almost impossible for the company, impossible to scale, really, really difficult to grow as a business because, of course, we're all focused on growth. And then I think the last part is customer alignment. So if I put a salesperson out there that isn't confident and clear that what they are saying can be delivered, they're not sure how to move through an engagement because each one is different because there's so many practices you know, it's just, it's super hard for, for us to be successful. Okay. And so here's the loaded question, right? You've obviously made the investment. We have, as I've said earlier, we have been working with you guys for a while. And I know uh, just so everybody out there doesn't think it was a bluebird, as we say in sales, Darren did do evaluation of other things in the market. So when you look at, you know, the plethora of options out there, why choose value selling framework and vortex prospecting? Oh, well, you sold me. <laughs> I actually used our framework. Wow, it worked. You used the framework. So seriously, that is part of it. I think you have to trust the people that you work with. You use the framework. That's cool. Uh, part of it's you. Part of it's a tool. Part of it's a fluency of the product that you're bringing forward. There are lots of options. Why value selling? We talked about a little bit earlier about the customer engagement spectrum. This one connects more. And this is that's kind of fundamental to my approach to business and what we're trying to do here at FMT is not necessarily to break down silos, but to deconstruct them. We don't want to cause damage and there's benefit in focus, but in connecting everything from the first touch through engagement to follow through and re-engagement requires really understanding what the customer is all about. And if I'm telling them what they're all about, we're going to go in a different direction. <laughs> value, selling, value selling allows 
me and our teams here to really collect information. It's focused on listening. It's focused on the customer. That's a big effort for us to reinvigorate kind of a customer-centric approach to business. So it gives me the flexibility I need. It's scalable. There's good training. I think the materials were on point. It was much less about tricks and techniques and more about finding that genuine conversation where each salesperson in their own way can follow a structure. They have the flexibility, but they have support. So I think those are the things that kind of differentiated it from some of the other good ones that we were looking at. Excellent. And so a big chunk of any sales transformation or implementation of this scale, it requires internal buy-in, right? And you were the, you know, you were our champion to use our, our vernacular, you were our champion and you ran into the breach right? <laughs> and, and carried the, carried the message internally. This is a standard challenge that sales executives see, you know, even if they're 100% bought into something, getting other elements of the organization behind it can often be challenging. And we went through several cycles of that. So I'm kind of curious what advice you would give to anyone in a sales or marketing role that's thinking about doing this, you know, something that will help them reduce that friction of getting that internal alignment. Wow. I, you know, that one, there is no magic bullet. I think there is the approach that I've used is, you know, I think start at a very fundamental logic level. So what do we have? What's working? What's not working? Will what we have and our approach allow us to reach our goals and objectives and service our customers appropriately? If the answer is yes, then maybe you don't need a methodology. But if it's not, and I think most of the time it's not, that's your first step. So what we have isn't working the way we want it to. We all agree. Yes, yes, yes. All right. That socialization is super important. And then beyond that, I think there is a very pragmatic, logical sort of uncovering of potential and value in the program. I know we went through a fairly long pre-engagement. I know we talked to some other folks that have been using value selling. And it was that blend of recognizing that there was an issue, getting buy-in that, yes, it's an issue, understanding that if we continue doing things the same way, we can't get better. Okay, great. So we need to change. Sales methods, there's a lot of them. The reason there's a lot of them is because they're necessary. And I think leaning on some of the tools, some of the messaging that's coming out of value selling was really helpful in getting people on board here. And then it's just time and being persistent. You know, otherwise, you know, if there's just a quick way to do it, there isn't. But, <laughs> you know, there just isn't. It's, you, you can accelerate it a little bit by being focused, but getting people to buy in. And the cool thing is, in the process of getting people to buy into the method, is once they do, we need all those people to support it going forward. So it's not a really something that you do. It's a something you are. And once you really get people invested in the system, and these are the same people that are making decisions to purchase it, then those are the ones that are your champions going forward. 
and I think that's an extremely critical point you just made there. Sales transformation, marketing transformation, putting in this type of methodology. It's not a check the box thing, right? A lot of people, we, we run into clients all the time. It's like, oh, this year I have on my list, I must train my salespeople. And so come in for two days and then we'll see you in two years and we have to do it again. And you know, our goal is never to be there forever. We want to empower the managers and you guys to be out and running on your own. But it's a, it's not a check the box. It is a journey, not a destination. And, and we've been through several iterations and worked with several elements of your team. So when you look back kind of where you've come over the last year and a half and where we're headed, what have you found to be the largest challenges to spearheading this initiative? Maybe adoption, visibility, consistency. What are the ones that kind of float to the top that other people should keep in mind as they embark on this journey? You know, it's... <laughs> Again, God, I wish I was profound, but I would say it's <laughs> this one. This one is is really simple, and people are uncomfortable not just with change. That's a, a nice platitude, but uh, <laughs> with using the words, using the words, using hey, what is what's a qualified prospect? What's the QP formula? Have you done your mutual plan? Those are brand new, and when they come with an expectation of fulfillment. And typically, our sales guys work really hard, but it's a challenge because you're changing the way that they are used to engaging with their clients. They're used to making money. They're used to working overall. And so there is, it's like a new suit of clothes. It's a, it's a rough new pair of shoes. They, they look sharp, but they haven't fit in just right. So it takes repetition. And it also takes, in our case, we have a sales manager who said, all right, I'll carry this flag up the hill. and he was absolutely committed. And that was the big difference. There's compliance and pretend compliance, and then there's commitment. And it's every pipeline, every scrum, every review, we look at the tools that are necessary to move the method forward. We work and stay within the method. And that takes some time. And that takes some time as an organization. It takes some time for each individual person to say, oh, all right. That actually works. Okay, did it work twice? Oh, it did. No, three times. Yeah, it worked three times. Right? And it's it's at every level in the organization because, again, this is not something you do. It's something you are. So for us, value selling and the tools, the techniques, the artifacts, the creation, the metaphor, the language, the lexicon has to run all through the organization. And so it can start with like our, our catalyst, our sales manager catalyst, or our marketing manager catalyst. And then we have the executive team that says, yes, we'll play along. And then a few of our salespeople, then all of our salespeople, and then a few of our consultants, then all of our consultants. And then eventually it becomes really vital. And to your point, it's not training. It's not something you do and forget about it. It's you get to a certain state and then you work it for a while and then you bring in and you, you go to the next level and you work that for a while. You go to the next level. Oh, you do some correction, then you go to the next level. So I guess that would be my kind of view of the challenge. The language, was, it's funny, it's a language, it's a big thing because it's change and you can't get better without change. So I guess there you go. <laughs> well, and nobody, and like I said earlier, nobody likes to change. You don't wake up in the morning and say, Ooh, I hope I have a fundamental change in the way I do business today or the way I have to talk at work. The adoption of it is, is one of the challenges for any sales methodology or marketing approach. It's not just us. Then one of the things that, you know, we pride ourselves on is, is the simplicity of it, right? It is once you get the core language, it is rather simple. I know as we've gone through this journey together, you've had some 
turnover. You've brought on some new people. Kind of curious, have you seen that simplicity play out where those new people can at least get enough of an understanding to not be disruptive, if perhaps not additive right out of the gate? I like that question. I think that's a really good one. Everyone knows nature of the beast, technology, people move through companies, their families drive it, business opportunity drives it. We try to keep our people as long as we can because, hey, we like them and we, <laughs> we get along well. But either through growth or through natural attrition, we have the opportunity to bring on new folks. The change that we've seen, and, and we still have a, a ways to go. I mean, anybody that works in sales and marketing knows that there's opportunity to improve the playbook. It gets old after three months new offers, new opportunities, new methods, new tools, happens all the time. But this method, once it's introduced, it allows our new people, and we've brought in a couple of new folks, both in marketing and sales in the last three months, and a couple brand new. I can honestly say, I think it has shortened our ramp time from probably six to nine months. Again, we're, it's a complex sale. We got a lot of practices, deep tech, ERP is not simple, but there you go. To probably we can get them effective for our clients within three months, wow. and that's a that's a big difference. Yeah, no kidding. That's a, I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down right now. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of things we could talk about elements of this, but let's go back to my cute little cliche: journey versus destination. And so, when somebody listens to this, I want them to have three takeaways. You know, that really kind of summarize why you made the choices you made and and lessons learned. So, if we had three takeaways that we could leave people with, what would your first one be? You know, I think concept of journey. So you need to understand how value selling works. Take some time, get comfortable with the language. One of the things that we're now doing with intensity is incorporating the value selling approach methods, deliverables into our internal CRM. Uh, we want to make sure that as our uh, account execs move through an engagement, that there are uh, prompts, resources, all of the prompts, value prompters, close to hand, readily accessible, and that they can constantly improve them. Because that's a huge, huge thing is if we find a way to get to key information quickly and accurately, and that can be replicated across the team using value prompters, prompting questions, a thoughtful and appropriate approach, great. I want to do that over and over again. So getting into the CRM, that's a big one. Again, incorporating into the playbook. So making it part of the documented structure of the business. So it's not just part of the DNA. Yeah. Make it a part of the DNA. Make sure they have the support they need, the tools at the ready, maps to the way that they naturally are, are interacting with customers. Yeah. I think beyond that, we are and do quite a lot with training, repetition, cross-team support. We have weekly planning sessions where we review value selling as part of a specific account or specific stage or specific part of the prospecting effort, whether it's building cadences or building the content that goes into cadences. So in the system, consistent training. And the next thing for us really, and it's what's great about it is it's requested. It's not something that's being pushed onto our delivery teams or our practice managers is something that they're saying, oh, this is good. This helps me focus on what the customer wants outside or the context 
that allows me to deliver technology and make good balancing decisions about where we can emphasize which products and services so that they get what they expect out of the engagement. And we're doing that at an initial level, which is very, very helpful, but it's going to get deeper. And once it's built in and we start doing that more often, I'd say those three are kind of the the big things that we would point to. And that last one for me before I started selling and implementing it, when I was actually using it, when I was in, in positions like yours, that was the thing that always am- amazed me the most was the minute you say uh, value selling to the consulting or the, or the execution side of the house, you know, you can just see their eyes glaze over. But then once they start to hear it and see it, they go, oh, wait a minute, this is really just about consistently managing and focusing on the buyer's perspective and, and connecting with that. And then all of a sudden they start to adopt it because it streamlines the amount of time they first because they have to talk to salespeople less, but then because it actually helps them to execute their jobs in a consistent way. So it's a, it's a nice layover for the entire org. Yeah. I mean, we joke about it because we're in the profession, but sales and marketing folks, what is our value in a technology industry? Don't laugh. Uh, in the technology space, you know, I have absolute confidence in our consultants to deliver solutions that are well beyond what most of my sales team would even conceive of, right? There's a lot of training, a lot of certification, special mindset. Sales and marketing side is what can we do to add value to the engagement? And it is if we can understand and set the stage for the delivery of the technology in a way that's meaningful, that's accurate, that helps inform that technology delivery. My consultants, they want to win. They want to build the best systems for our customers so that our customers are stoked. That's a Carlsbad term, by the way. Um, (laughs) So if that's the case, and we can help them do that by really helping them understand the business need, what the outcome of the solution needs to deliver, and we put that in a documented form with a timeline. I mean, we're helping the clients. We're helping our delivery teams. There's many, many wins all the way through that. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So let's change direction a little bit here. Ask our guest two standard questions at the end of each interview. The first is simply, as a VP of sales and marketing in our sales parlance, that makes you a quote-unquote target or politically correctly a prospect. So always like to understand from our guests, when somebody doesn't know you, doesn't have a relationship, doesn't have a referral in, but they believe they have a solution that uh, is worth the time to talk to you, how do they build, how do they capture your attention and build the credit? enough that you'd be willing to give them 10, 15 minutes of your time? What works the best from your perspective? This is, that's a, that's a fun question. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, I get 30 solicitations a day, maybe more. If folks are listening to the podcast, I would suspect you're all kind of in the same boat. Lead gen, leads. Here's a list. Those always get deleted flat out. You, you can't, you can't <laughs> sell me a list. Next would be recruiters offering to sell resource. Those get deleted. And I talked to my teams about this, which is if somebody's reaching out to you, the first question is, are you currently looking for their, their service or product? If yes, have you exhausted your network of referred resources? If yes, have you heard of them? Can you validate that they're real? If yes, take a call. If it's no, at any point along that chain, it's delete because we don't have time. I mean, you just don't and and prospects don't have time. So, and I've bitten, I think, I hope everyone has because, you know, that's what, what keeps business going round and round. The ones that have gone through are, they 
have to be on point for needs of my business that are specific. And there's some luck involved there, but they better understand what my business is. Doesn't take much, but just, hey, was on your site, saw this. Hey, see that you're having an event coming up in October 11th. Why don't we have a conversation about sponsoring or participating in that? Something that is specific, and if it's not visible, you know, it's, it's best guess stuff, and it has to be on point. I don't care about lists of Microsoft users, for heaven's sakes. I mean, that's everybody on the planet. What I care about is making sure that my proposals are efficiently delivered. Had a great cold call on that that I took. So very specific, very timely, has to tie to my business. There's a lot of noise out there. Persistence matters. Human being, if, if you show up in my inbox 10 times over eight weeks, I will at, you will at least have a, a better shot than if you're a one and done. Make it short, make it simple, make it clean. Honestly, I'm not one of those guys that likes that sort of sequence that ends with, oh, you must be under your desk or dead, so you're not responding to me. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm still busy and I'm still not responding to you because I don't want to have another trigger added to my name in your distribution list. <laughs> like, okay, it's genuine, super genuine. Find the problem, nail the problem, tell me the value prop, tell me half a dozen times. If I'm hunting for you, I will find you. If I'm not, you can't force me into whatever it is you're doing. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Last question. We call it our acceleration insight. There's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or professional services people. One thing that if they listened, that you believe would help them hit their targets or achieve their goals, what would it be and why? Oh, (laughs) again, I I find myself wishing that I was profound because boy, howdy, I'd cash that one in with my team every single day. Um, (laughs) You know, there's no substitute for hard work. And then I would carefully send that off with its brother, smart work. And the last part would be stay humble. There's so much we don't know. And even when we think we know, we don't know what is motivating the client, what is motivating the prospect why, when, how they will move. And the minute that we think we know, we don't. And cycles get extended. Clients spin off in an an unpredictable direction. So it's in that kind of that constant connection, always looking, always digging in. You know, you could say, hey, do 10 more things, five more in the morning, five more before you go home. Focus on keeping your, your workspace tidy. Keep your chin down, keep your left up. You know, there's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> Perfect. So if a listener's interested in reaching out, learning more about FMT or talking to you about some of the topics we talked about today, best way to do that? You know, remarkably, we do have a website. Uh, <laughs> we we um, welcome... I've heard of these. We things. welcome all of your visitors to come to our website, fmtconsultants.com. If someone wants to reach out to me specifically and reference this podcast, hey, heard you on Chad's podcast, uh, put that in the subject line. Uh, I will absolutely respond to everyone. And that's dstordahl, D-S-T-O-R-D-A-H-L at fmtconsultants.com. And otherwise, hunt me on LinkedIn or whatnot, unless you're selling lists, in which case I will slightly (laughs) decline. (laughs) All right, Darren. Hey, I can't thank you enough for being on the show, man. It's been great to have you. Appreciate it. Always good to talk to you and best of luck to you and the value selling crew.
<laughs> Thank you. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at b2brevexec.com. You know the drill. Write us a review on iTunes. Share the episode with friends, families, coworkers if you like what you hear. And until next time, we wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.